0: We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on
1: deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception The Show.
0: Yo, what's cracking everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. It's Reception Perception The Show. Matt, my guy, how are you feeling, my guy? What's going on?
1: Oh, well, James, I feel great. I've had a few... Um, like the honey green tea things or uh whatever that that everybody says you got to drink when you're doing a lot of talking uh so i'm feeling good today i got a lot of stuff done man i mean we got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show today rest of season rankings are officially live on the site so that's awesome i've already got people chirping at me saying hey you you need to bump curtis samuel up which means that we've cultivated the right audience number one number two uh it's just (laughs) it's been good to see folks uh excited about the, the some of the changes that have gone on and our our guy zach miller and i will have a lot of uh, new in-season charting uh that we're going to talk about on the on the show but we've got a pretty cool feature coming out that is going (laughs) to help folks um kind of keep track of all this work that i'm doing in season but yeah man got to dive into a bunch of players on film today and i'm excited to talk about it
0: holy hell get excited get ramped up baby this is what i'm talking about hey speaking of new features we talk about this brand new column weekly column from our our pal alex Gellhar, man like yeah, Yo, bro. this is mind blowing, man. Like we are slowly but surely getting the stronghold back together. The stronghold never dies, Matt. It never That's dies. Right.
1: That's right, dude. I mean, uh, we might have to, I don't know, quadruple 20 X our earnings on the site <laughs> to be able to afford Marcus Grant. But, um, you know, because he's a he's a multibillion dollar uh, television personality at this point. No so. Doubt. We'll we'll need to do a lot of making up to to be able to bring Marcus Grant back in, but uh, you know, slowly but surely, like you said, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Gelhar's piece. If folks haven't gone and checked it out yet, hundred percent awesome. Go read it. It's really good. I was like, wow, this guy. This guy just he is um I think he compared himself to Gronk in the intro. He is like Gronk, just coming back off of like no training camp, you know, Nothing. I've been retired for a year. He just comes <laughs> back and he's catching touchdowns up the freaking seam, man.
0: I mean, no, but no, but really though, it's not it's not like we're just gassing up Gelhard. Yeah. Like for yeah. real. It's like I I read this guy's piece and I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, what the hell? <laughs> he just comes in and just lays down the law man like he's so good it's literally. unbelievable for for real's like it's it's great man like yeah literally um but yeah no like you you need to go check out the piece uh on receptionperception.com um it's great it it is so great it's the uh reception perception notebook and it's basically you know like look he takes a little temperature check on a lot of different situations um kind of mixes in a lot of rp data uh you guys maybe you know us from the the old NFL fantasy live podcast um and that's where we kind of sort of built our built our stones, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, it was great. And at some point, he will uh, be joining us on this podcast as well. But again, my dude's out there. Like, he's a full-time lawyer, people. Like, this was yeah. crazy. My dude's a full-time lawyer. It's not like me and Matt were just putzing around, you know, talking fantasy football like a bunch of goons. Like, <laughs> this dude's out here literally impacting lives for reals. Um, so, no, yeah. when he has the time, he will jump on the podcast. Uh, for sure, but I want to highlight some of the stuff uh, that was in the article, and in particular, New Orleans and talked about the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the 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 whole idea of Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. I thought that'd be fun uh, to chop it up with you, Matt. And I wanted to start with Jarvis Landry because his usage is is really interesting to me. Now, again, we're talking about a player who's you know getting a little longer in the tooth, been in, been in this league a long time. Okay, and had a great week one. Nine targets, seven receptions, 114 yards. He led the team in all those categories. Okay, Matt, he's playing out of the slot. Fine, that makes a lot of sense, right? But Jarvis Landry led the team in air yards. He averaged 13 air yards per target thereabouts. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. That is mind-blowing to me. Who is this guy? I know, yeah. I, I think this was
1: one of the more surprising results from week one, and, and maybe it shouldn't have been surprising because – this has been one of the steady drum beats out of Saints camp all offseason that this is going to be a wide receiver heavy offense. Like remember, James, last year, they were running out. We we just clowned on Dallas last week for for <laughs> or the last episode for some of the guys that they were running out there. The Saints are running out a a rough wide receiver core last year. You know, folks were drafting Marquez Calloway in like the ninth round of fantasy drafts here. Like that that's a thing that happened last year because yes, was. he yes, was, was the number one guy on a disgusting depth chart right and now he's like (laughs) barely playing you know Marquez Callaway because they've got Michael Thomas back they got Jarvis Landry back in the fold and and Chris Olave they drafted in the first round and Jarvis Landry is interesting because you mentioned it like he's catching downfield passes I think the note from Gelhar's uh, article was that three of Landry's receptions came on 15 plus yards downfield Uh, he also noted that you know he's still got contested catch chops for sure and I guess we probably shouldn't have been surprised by Jarvis Landry's big time involvement because Michael Thomas was indeed on a pitch count. Um, I think he only played on 37 snaps, which was below 70 percent of the team snaps overall. So that, and we can talk about Michael Thomas because he's going to be one of the first guys uh, featured for in season charting. Uh, when again, when this is probably up, uh, pro- it, hopefully it will be up by the time people are listening to this podcast. But yeah, Landry was really interesting. But uh, my big takeaway from from seeing Landry out there, not, not only will I, I think he has. You know, some like he should be rostered in fantasy leagues for sure. But I just also think that this Saints offense, man, like with Jameis, they're going to they're going to fling that thing downfield, even to guys that we don't normally associate as downfield players.
0: It's really interesting to me because just for the longest time, the Saints always had kind of sort of they just got by at wide receiver you know they would find guys like Michael Thomas I I think you know certainly exceeded expectations um but they just found and they just got around it you know and they were just hoping that Sean Payton and Drew Brees could just make it work and I'd say for a long time that's exactly what they did but this trio of wide receivers Michael Thomas Jarvis Landry and now Chris Olave it is probably the most talented wide receiver group that they've had golly I don't know and at least I mean certainly well, in, in at least yeah. 10 years maybe yeah. 20 years you know what I mean it, yeah. this is a good group it's a really good group
1: and and your point is well taken because not only was obviously last year's depth chart depth, depth chart disgusting um you know pretty much since they've They traded Brandon Cooks away and like anointed Michael Thomas as their number one receiver. They've kind of let that that second receiver spot, the third receiver spot, just sort of twist in the wind there. Um, The year that Michael Thomas broke the NFL record in catches, the second and third most targeted players on that team were Alvin Kamara at running back and Jared Cook at tight end. And like the rest of the wide receivers, it you know, wasn't even close. I mean, hey, I, I will say shout out to my guy, Willie Sneed. He had some moments there uh, for there a minute, but he was a, he was a UDFA, right? So like they, right. they haven't invested priority resources in this position for a long, long time outside of Michael Thomas as a second round pick. And now this year, like you got to remember, too, they traded a ton to get Chris Olave, like a, a ton, a ton of draft picks to get up there to the 11th overall pick and, you know, I'm really high on Chris Olave, but I think that Jarvis Landry is going to sort of be a guy that holds down an important role for this team going forward. And I don't know, you squint at the Saints offense, man, and, like, it does look kind of good. It does look kind of good.
0: It does. Okay, so do you buy it, though, as a as a long-term, like, okay, this is how they're going to use Jarvis Landry? Or was this more a byproduct of, okay, Michael Thomas is on a snap count. Um, you know, they, they got to figure out where they're going to get uh, some of these downfield targets. And week one, it just happened to be, Ah, uh, Jarvis Landry. Because again, remember you profiled Olave as a legitimate downfield threat, and I would totally agree with that. So maybe does Jarvis kind of sort of see that you know downfield work kind of be reduced as the season wears on?
1: Yeah, like I'll take um, I'll take the under on his a dot. You know, going forward, like uh, from from what we saw in Week One, I think he'll come in south of that, but. This is just again, the point is Jameis Winston's going to throw downfield to everybody and they're going to run these guys on more downfield routes. And if we can actually just transition to Michael Thomas, I thought this was the most interesting note from his week one game when I went back and charted it for reception perception. We know. Michael Thomas's nickname, Slant Boy, you know, the layup routes, all that type of stuff. In week one, just 16.2% of his routes were a slant or a curl. Like, wow. they had this guy working downfield on limited snaps, like I mentioned. So, I mean, we're talking, like, deep dig routes. We're talking deep out routes. Um, I, I would say for, for this – tracker that we're putting on the site for in-season charting there's going to be a column where it's like rp metrics relative to expectation uh for these smaller sample type stuff um i'm gonna i put thomas as slightly below expectation which isn't surprising you know considering he's he's coming back from a major injury he's coming back from an injury uh in uh, in 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 the preseason the hamstring deal but yeah, he looked pretty good in tight coverage. Uh, I, I would just say that we need to see some more explosiveness in his route running that we're kind of used to seeing. But, um, yeah, I, I, even Michael Thomas, though, like I'm saying, you know, Michael Thomas is a guy that we associate as a, a short area route runner, that type of stuff. He's not running those like short area routes anymore. He's actually getting down the field. And, and same with Jarvis Landry, obviously, too.
0: Michael Thomas, eight targets, five catches, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. Big time splash plays uh, for him. So I I guess, and you take a look at the depth, it's, uh, what is it, 11 air yards per target. That's really good. 88 total air yards. Again, on those eight targets, that is, that's pretty nice. (laughs) That is really interesting. Um, Yeah, there's a couple of like red zone,
1: end zone targets too, right? So like you've got a couple of short area looks where that's going to bring down, the average depth of target, the area, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, he's, I, he's he's really working the full field. That's for sure. That's one of my big takeaways from week one with Landry and Thomas is that in this Jameis Winston offense, man, they're going to be flinging the football downfield, which, you know, I'm not expecting Alvin Kamara to catch 80 passes again. And and the team said that in the offseason. Like, we think those days are kind of done. And, like, yeah, you don't throw 100 balls at your running back when you've got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry.
0: It's very interesting. Okay, so uh, for our YouTube folks, you see it on the screen. This is the twenty twenty profile of Michael Thomas. Uh, can you kind of sort of break this down and really, Matt? I think I, I'd like you to focus kind of. Well, first of all, there's green everywhere as we see, but <laughs> yeah, focus yeah, yeah. on on the on the more downfield stuff because again, the narrative on Michael Thomas is that he cannot win downfield. He can't win on you know anything other than just these on these underneath routes and and i think you and i have discussed hey listen that's where he won because that is where drew Brees was really comfortable throwing him the football But from your charting process, it seems as if Michael Thomas can actually win downfield. And Jameis Winston, obviously, uh, the type of quarterback that loves to go downfield.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, obviously, we see the success all over the route tree if you're looking at it. And obviously, you can go pull it up on the website as well from 2020. And and remember, 2020 was the year he was kind of in and out with that injury with that ankle injury that eventually took like a year off his entire a year plus off of his career right but the, yeah the two routes that really stand out to me that not only did he run at a rate above the league average but also posted a above league average success rate in addition to the slant is the dig and the out route like those intermediate routes and he just that that was still the most impressive route um the dig route from his week one sample as well like he can get open on those patterns and he can make like 12 13 yard catches and then it really just becomes like how explosive is he after the catch at this point in his career? That that I'm not so sure about, but um yeah, man, he can he can win all over the all over the field and like I, again, he's a tough guy. I, I moved him up I think four spots in the wide receiver uh, rest of season rankings to about wide receiver 28. Okay. I'm not 100% sure how high I want to get on Michael Thomas also Yeah. you know, once once you start to get around wide receiver 28, then we're in the, you know, the Gabe Davis, uh, we're in the we're in the Rashad Bateman territory. And, like, I still yeah. kind of want to be higher on those younger guys who are ascending in really good offenses. But, shoot, man, I mean, I'm kind of feeling the vibe on the New Orleans Saints offense right now. Um, and and they're a pretty good team overall, right? We know that. So, I yeah. mean, Jameis is always going to be a weird guy, you know, a weird quarterback <laughs> to kind of – I've never been, like, the sure. biggest Jameis Winston fan as a player. But no. I do think this is um, – this is a really, really talented receiver group. I want to keep coming back to that. Like At some point, like if they go out in week two and um, Chris Olave uh, has the big game, I wouldn't be surprised uh, by that either because one thing we saw in the first game against the the Cowboys, obviously, with the, with the Bucks defense who the Saints are playing in week two – they really squeezed the life out of the Cowboys in the short and intermediate areas. But what did we talk about with the Cowboys in the last episode? They're trying to work downfield with goofballs like Dennis Houston and uh, semi, <laughs> who, who, who the hell? Um I S- mean, eh, eh, S- eh, S- <laughs> who the hell is that guy? Uh, and, and so now we're looking at like Chris Olave running the downfield routes, man, they're going to yeah. have to actually respect that stuff. So I wouldn't, but yeah, this receiver trio it's, I think a lot of different guys are going to be popping off, and, and I'm really going to keep tracking Michael Thomas over the next few weeks to see if he starts to round back into his usual success rate for his coverage.
0: Isn't Olave such an interesting guy too because he's a rookie wide receiver and we know what he, he can do downfield, and, and yet rookie wide receivers – it does take them generally even even nowadays it takes them a little bit of time to get acclimated golly i wonder what this offense is going to look like in week seven week eight when Olave is acclimated uh to the offense in the nfl speed and then all of a sudden it's like michael thomas is healthier hopefully right jarvis landry is playing at at full speed and chris olave then playing at full speed we haven't even talked about or at least not really um the the injury to alvin Kamara. you know so and how much that limited him right so like man, this is an offense that I thought looked pretty good in week one. And then when I kind of project down, down the road, boy, this could be a really good offense. This could be a really, really good offense. Um, and, and I'm interested to see what it, it kind of develops into. And, I, and again, I'm just interested to see what does Chris Olave look like? five weeks six weeks from now
1: dude you do you see that route he had on the on the two-point conversion like that in tight spaces in the in the red zone where he he hauled in that two-point conversion chris olave whew, that guy yeah. can i mean that was like sometimes you know we talk about with george pickens i think on the show where he you know mauled that one like just knocked over the one guy's run blockers yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's the exact same stuff he did at georgia like that's that's georgia George Pickens. <laughs> On on the NFL field, and yep. Chris Olave running that little like quick out route on in the red zone to get the two point conversion. I was like, "That's Ohio State, Chris Olave. That is, that's the same player." So Love it's it. cool when you see guys translate like that. Last point on the Saints here, James. Yeah, you didn't even you didn't even mention big X what? factor Taysom Hill. Oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah he's still thing. I yeah, yeah. he's still thing. Thin. He's like listed as a tight end on the depth chart. He's listed as a tight end in in fantasy. Juwan Johnson, yeah. he played a ton, and I, I ton. think he's a guy yeah. more, worth monitoring too. If this offense is really going to pop, but yeah, Taysom's just like a gadget player. But everybody hates Taysom Hill, but he is going to add some big plays every now and again.
0: Um, I don't, I don't know. This is totally fantasy football related, but it's like, I'm advocating folks to go get Taysom Hill. Um, and and he was super huge off the waiver wire this week, but I'm just saying if he's a tight end, you have to view it from tight end volume, right? Like let's say I told you your tight end was going to get, I don't know, six to seven touches, six to eight touches a game. I think you'd be really happy with that. Right. And that's the kind of volume I think that Taysom Hill Even though he doesn't play a lot of snaps, it's like when he gets in there, my God, he's touching the football. You know what I'm saying? So if you could tell me a tight end in fantasy football is going to get anywhere between five to eight touches, I'd sign up for that every single damn time. And then you're adding in the athleticism and the versatility that that Taysom brings to the table. It's like, man, that's not bad. Oh, by the way, all you want from your tight end are touchdowns. My boy Taysom Hill is getting all kinds of red zone looks. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. He might fall flat on his face and be an absolute non-factor in fantasy this year. But I don't know. I'm intrigued, man. Um, and again, I really trust in this coaching staff, too, because it really seems like there's been no drop off at all from Sean Payton to, to what we got with Carmichael. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really intrigued. And I, I think this is uh, an interesting team uh, moving forward. All right, can we transition? Let's talk about Denver here. And we saw them on Monday night. And I want to pat myself on the back a little bit here, okay? Because, like, I was saying this offseason, the two teams that gave me bad vibes, it was the Green Bay Packers and it was the Denver Broncos. And everyone said, especially with the Broncos, that I was nuts. That I, And I said, this team could legitimately win six games. Legitimately win six games. That was in their range of outcomes. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do or that's likely. I'm just saying it's in their range of outcomes. And I think week one, you saw exactly why I was saying that. We're talking about Russell Wilson, who is a little bit older. So that explosive athleticism, that backyard football doesn't always work now, right? he's working with a brand new cast of pass catchers which for a lot of quarterbacks has been problematic he's learning a, a brand new offense and the coaching staff i was focused in on the coaching staff yeah you, you had that one right yeah it's like hey we don't know if these guys are good or not their offensive coordinator like i said was i mean a tight ends coach that's his highest level the defensive coordinator was safety's coach that was his highest level. we don't know anything about nathaniel hack nothing and he had an absolute brain meltdown at the end of that game on monday night so these are like i said these were the kind of all the negative things that could have gone wrong and they all went wrong uh there in week number one but what were your takeaways in that broncos offense and in particular focusing in on the split between Cortland sutton and jerry judy
1: yeah i mean i got i know i got a lot of stuff wrong i'm gonna get a lot of stuff wrong this year that's how it works but i i'm gonna also take that victory lap with you on being like I don't think this den at least my take was i don't think this denver team is going to get off to like a hot start right like yeah. we said that on the bold prediction show and i said bold prediction like jerry judy outscores Cortland sutton because james i mean you know i have like a little bit of a natural contrarian uh in me somewhere um <laughs> slight and, <laughs> it's slight Anytime, anytime like the entire industry agrees that oh Cortland sutton over jerry judy and like yeah. every broncos insiders oh sutton's the guy sutton's the guy sutton's the guy yeah. it's, it's so clear I always want to be like, "Mm, we we usually when something is that, that clear there's, there's like a problem. There's, there's something wrong Um, or, or like that, that we shouldn't be that confident. And look, I mean, Cortland Sutton could still be clearly the, the best receiver on the team. Um, But I did just chart both of these guys today. Uh, So Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and, You know, even watching it in the game, it's like this split is pretty close from a from a pure playing time perspective. You know, Cortland Sutton uh, runs a route on 40 or 44, 45 Russell Wilson dropbacks. They have these uh, Jerry Judy, 41 of 45 uh, routes on on, uh, dropbacks there. They have the same exact target share now. Cortland Sutton has the lead in air yards, forty-three and a half percent of the air yards. Jerry Judy twenty-six point three percent air yards. But James, there's a whole lot of prayer yards in those air yards for old uh, Cortland <laughs> pra- Sutton there.
0: Prayer yards. Oh my God. Sign <laughs> because, me up
1: for that, <laughs> bro. Like I That's mean, great. I love it. Cortland Sutton in Week One fell below fifty-five percent success rate versus man and zone wow. coverage in Seattle, wow. and like. That's a carryover from what you've got on the screen there. His his route success rate from, twenty twenty one. I I just don't think he's a a great separator. I don't think he ever will be a great separator. And you know, th- the immediate response to that is, well, yeah, no, but he's gonna he's a great contested catch receiver. Separation is not his game and. That's great, but a couple of problems there. Number one, dude, Russ on those go balls last uh, on Monday night, just not accurate at all. No. I mean, like his ball nope. placement was terrible. And the thing is, when you're the outside X receiver and you're running down the field and you're not getting open and you have to win on contested situations – you it's the, you, the percentage of, of the is just shrinking right at that point like you're yep. gonna you're running lower and lower percentage routes if you're already running go routes as the x receiver and you're not separating like you have to win in the contested area and now you're relying on your quarterback to be great and like again, this stuff can all get worked out with time, but it was not good and it was not good in week one. um Jerry Judy meanwhile, um, I, I thought Jerry Judy looked really good. Posted a 71.4% success rate versus man coverage in week one. That was really great to see after we saw a pretty big dip in his rookie year to his sophomore year production, which now I think we can just go ahead and say that was the high ankle sprain um, mm-hmm. damaging him in, uh, in in week two. So I think that this is just – I think the gap is going to close with these guys here. That That's my biggest takeaway is that I think – Sutton might need to come down a little bit in our expectations because, I mean, people right. were drafting him as like a top 15 receiver. I, I don't know about yeah, that. Crazy. And, yeah. and meanwhile, Jerry Judy I think is going to come up a little bit. Uh, I, I've got him right now at wide receiver 29. I have Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 20 in the rest of the season rankings. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I think that these, the gap between these guys is going to have to be clo- closer. And especially with Jerry Judy, man, like they were getting him in space. He was getting open, and, and like he can make—he looked fast. He looked like he can make some plays in the open field. So, I came away from week one more optimistic on Jerry Judy and more pessimistic on Cortland Sutton. And the another thing that was interesting about this is like our understanding was okay—he's Russ is just going to target the hell out of both these guys. You know, meanwhile he's throwing like all of the tight ends. You know, Albert O ends up running a lot of routes, and and he yeah. was—you know—he's he, nobody's going to get excited about his stat line, but you should be excited about the fact that he was out there, like basically playing. As their big slot, but like, you know, they're also getting like that, that guy Beck involved, you know, that uh, Solbert is involved. Like, they got all <laughs> kinds of goofball tight ends out there, running routes. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I think this just Denver situation is, um, it, I, and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I should tweet the clip out, uh, because I screen recorded it while I was watching Jerry Judy today. The, the play before the infamous, you know, kick to end the game, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy is like crossing right over russ's face nobody is near him you know like the zone mm-hmm. coverage is all behind is all behind jerry judy he's wide open on the route with space to run probably pick up the first down potentially and and probably get out of bounds too and russ i swear to god he mu- he had to have seen him and then just checks it down to javante williams i was like alarmed and just weirded out by how much russ is checking down to the running back and i think javante a good right. player but it's biz- it was bizarre. It was very um, it was a very strange performance. I'm also willing to say, James, too, that like maybe this is all just like Russ is back in Seattle jitters type stuff. But uh, we'll we'll see in the next couple of weeks.
0: Well, I mean, you talking about Javante, the dude saw twelve targets. What the yeah, hell? Crazy.
1: That's crazy. That's
0: And not I, like not like a lot of sk- some
1: screens and stuff like that. But a lot of it was just like getting to that checkdown really quick. Russ just getting to that checkdown really quick.
0: Which, to me, by the way, doesn't make a lot of sense. This Seattle defense is not that good, you know? Um, so yeah. I, I'm just confused by it, you know? Look, they're not... Seattle's defense actually is not as bad as advertised, but yeah, they that, being well. said, they well. that being said, I definitely would not say they're a good defense, right? They're better, than, they're better than what we thought they would be, which was like one of the 10 worst in the NFL. They're not one of the 10 worst in the NFL, but certainly... Uh, They played above that, but golly, man, this is not a shutdown defense by any stretch of the imagination. I, too, was very confused by Russell Wilson, of all people, checking down to the running back as often as he was and also looking for the the safety blanket type throws to the tight ends. This is very strange to me when for the past five years everyone is talking about let Russ cook and then finally they're like, go ahead. Give it a shot. Kitchen's all yours, buddy. Cook, you you can do whatever the hell you want to do. And he opted not to. And I almost wonder is that like is it just habit? Like he's now he just doesn't even know how to do it? Like what is going on? It was so it was strange, Matt. Like I don't I just yeah. didn't understand what the hell was going on.
1: I mean, look, the whole game like you're going to get a lot of narratives coming out of it, but it was really interesting how you know, they were kind of letting Gino cook a little bit, right? Like they were they were letting Gino throw on first down, they were letting no. him uh throw aggressively. Uh and, and Gino looked pretty good. Like shout out to shout out to Gino. He he, he, he did, played he a did. pretty good game. It was also really cool to see like the fans ch- ch- chanting his name and stuff like that. It's it's just it's cool for Gino. Um but he you know, he's I wish I wasn't so disrespectful to Gino this whole like offseason because it's not like Gino is a joke of a quarterback. He's just not a starting NFL quarterback,
0: right? Um, I, I think your I think your quote from the last show was that Seattle is not serious about. He's running an unserious quarterback situation. Yeah, and I,
1: I should have just said that's a, it's an unserious quarterback competition because Drew Locke is not a serious NFL quarterback. No, right? like, no, that's no, not that. No. Now you're now you're joking, right? But like, right? Gino at least is like okay. He shouldn't be starting, but he is like a good backup quarterback in the NFL.
0: Very capable backup. There's no doubt. Um, I'm, I'm, but yeah. They're, they're, the
1: the yeah, Seahawks are kind of letting Gino cook, bro. Like they were kind of letting him cook, and and I, you almost kind of wonder that this whole season is going to be a big referendum on on Russell Wilson and like the push pull of was it actually Russell Wilson holding things back, even if he doesn't want to admit it, not Pete Carroll holding Russell Wilson back. And I think it'll be interesting. And Week One was certainly like a. I was not like the feather in Russ's cap that he probably wants to come out there and have.
0: Yeah, Geno was interesting, right? Like it seemed like he was definitely playing within himself and within the structure. That's exactly what it was. Geno Smith was a structure quarterback. And extremely efficient in that structure. Nothing yeah. in nothing in that offense is explosive. I don't think. Like, what was DK's line? DK's line was oh, so weird. Oh, it was like weird. seven
1: for sub forty yards or or yeah. like something like that. It was, it was seven
0: crazy. catches on seven targets for thirty six yards. Like, what, bro? Oh, we just talked about Jarvis. That's like an old school Jarvis Landry line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what yeah. what is that all about? So. Obviously the offense is very conservative still, uh, but Gino was making it work to a degree and was very efficient uh, within that offense. And then on the other side, Russell Wilson was kind of more freestyling it, you know, doing his Russell Wilson thing. And he posted good numbers. I mean, 340 yards passing a touchdown, 69% completion rate. Very nice. Um, But yeah, very nice. But, (laughs) but again, I don't know how effective it was again. It was against, not effective yeah. against a defense that's not the best.
1: Reception, reception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: As we head into Thursday night football, as we head into now week number two, gosh, week one just went by so quick, man. It was like a blur. It was a blur, Matt. It was crazy. But now we are going into week number two. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some deep sleepers. Is that cool? Yes, especially I want to talk about the guy that you you mentioned here you're going to mention okay yeah i i have a deep sleeper for everybody out there how about kyle phillips slot man in tennessee um on the buffalo bills and i know what you're thinking you're like oh god the buffalo bills i don't i mean it's like I, you want to play kyle phillips <laughs> <laughs> again deep sleeper kyle phillips but right. let me just from a from a general standpoint let me just say this much like we saw in week one for the Rams where the Rams had to check down to a slot receiver in Cooper cup, uh, a safety blanket, if you will, uh, in Cooper cup. And obviously I'm not saying these two guys are, you know, in the same stratosphere. They're not, I'm just saying, strategically (laughs) good good to to note golly let me yeah let me go ahead and just (laughs) clarify people are gonna be like oh this guy's comparing kyle phillips to cooper cup like no that's not what i'm doing i'm just saying strategically if you want to keep buffalo off of you um you're gonna have to find some safety blankets you're gonna have to find some check downs those kind of things kyle phillips to me matt looks a little bit like a safety blanket already for ryan Tannehill. This dude only played on 43% of the steps, only ran 20 routes and yet saw nine targets on those 20 routes, man. Like, so I don't know, to me, it seems like they've already got a pretty good chemistry going uh, between Ryan Tannehill and Kyle Phillips. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested uh, in terms of Kyle Phillips being kind of a, a deep sleeper for folks out there.
1: Look, you're right. He earned he'd earned that playing time all through the off season. Like during the right. great, you know, Traylon Burks wars of of you know fantasy Twitter in the off season. It's like the most important story coming out of Titans camp is not like Traylon Burks and where he's playing and blah 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 blah, and people getting upset about that. It's like. The fact that Kyle Phillips consistently through all these stories is running with the first team and is going to have a lot of uh, a lot of playing time, and that was true right away in week one, week one. Like you mentioned, he was right there with like Nick Westbrook-Akina in terms of routes run. He was right there. He was right at the top in terms of targets. And I'm with you, man. I'm not like <laughs> I'm certainly not gassed up about the Titans' offense going against the Bills' defense. Like not not at all. Although the Titans and, and Bills have had some good good matches uh, in the have. last few years, surprising um, too surprisingly yeah and then like the titans defense i know they ended up giving it up to the giants a couple of times saquon barkley though jeez good god he just (laughs) god yeah i know (laughs) dude's back he's he's back back. he's back he he led all running backs in yards after contact per rush attempt in week one no surprise there if you watched him which by the way it's actually like not really the book on saquon barkley right he's more of a like he's a, a slasher and all that type of stuff he's he's more of like a uh, a s like a big play runner like you know one two one two one two fifty yard run stuff like that he he yeah. uh, he did have an explosive run but he was just breaking tackles all day man he was awesome uh anyway so i i i, I know they gave it to barkley in week one they gave it to a few giants but like th- this defense is pretty good i think the problem is man i you know tennessee's offensive line i think is a, is a declining unit um And and I think they're just going to get their ass kicked uh, by Buffalo up front. Just like much like the Rams got their ass kicked in week one, but that could lead to a bunch of dump off targets to Kyle Phillips, who by the way, like is legit good. Like if you go back and look at his reception perception on the site from uh, the rookie roundup article, where it was a bunch of guys in there, you know, 85.3% success rate versus zone coverage as as a slot receiver. That's really good. 92% success rate on the flat route, 81.5% success rate on the slant route. Like, Dude, you're gonna be catching them little, you know, those little popgun routes all year long in Tennessee, man, and then definitely in this game. I, I agree with you. You could catch like, he could certainly catch eight balls for, yeah. It's gonna be like one of those disgusting PPR lines, but it, yeah, it can get you there.
0: Yeah, man. Like I could see him catching, you know, six or seven balls for like. 50 yards or something.
1: Yeah, know, yeah, something yeah. <laughs> don't um, watch it but just just look yeah. at the points at the end of the day. Just yeah, the
0: exactly. So no, that's uh so I don't know, like I'm 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 intrigued anyways. Um it's he's one of those players where in fantasy football if you're just kind of looking to kind of round out your flex or or maybe you need a bye week guy I would just highly recommend go, go, just go pick up Kyle Phillips. If you want to put him on the bench for week two, that's fine. I'm, I'm down with yeah. that too. Uh, but just see what his usage looks like. Because I think after week one, I think he's earned himself a bigger role in this offense. I and I, and dude, listen, it's not like they're like invested in Nick westbrook Akiné. You know what I mean? Like I could easily see him taking all of Nick Westbrook-Kine snaps
1: easily. I think for Phillips to get on the field, he kind of has to start taking snaps away from Robert Woods, which by the way, also isn't like totally impossible. They traded like a day three draft pick for Robert Woods. He's a veteran guy, but um, I do think there's a chance like if the Titans season goes south, like they might start playing a lot of these rookies, like Traylon Burks is going to play more as the season goes on. Um, they might play your guy malik willis at some point like if if the season really goes south and by the way then just forget it with all of these fantasy receivers (laughs) just play malik willis (laughs) and log out but as long as ryan Tannehill's in there i do think kyle phillips makes for like a a deep ppr flex play Uh, also just again i i i think he is good by the way again i just want to say again i think he is good like in the dynasty format i i he is the biggest riser in the dynasty ranks uh, coming out of the like the last couple of weeks here i bumped Hell him yeah. like from you know what you know and he, after the draft he was like wide receiver 90 something now he's like in the 60s
0: <laughs> anytime a, a guy from ucla or or one of these uc schools can get some love i'm, I'm with it man i'm with but, but by the way i disagree on the malik willis you know i love me some malik will i love malik willis man I, yeah. i'm i am so intrigued uh, I want to see him uncork some balls, man! Holy hell, let's, go. <laughs> let's
1: the pride, go! The pride of the pride of that other school in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, the pride of go. that other that that other school in Lynchburg, Virginia.
0: Oh, there you go. All right, hit me with a deep sleeper, dude. What you got?
1: Oh, dude, I'm just gonna double down on Curtis Samuel. I, I mean, I know he might not be there like a go. deep sleeper anymore, but I, I think he, I wanted to talk about him because he's the other guy that I charted this uh, just yesterday. So oh, hell no yeah. shock, right? I had to had to get it done. <laughs> um, dude go. what you got Washington Washington's offense is so fun I I there's like you know that uh the the scene in um arrested development where what's the one guy says like there are dozens of us right uh
0: about uh have you ever watched that show I have not my friend
1: oh so well this this
0: this <laughs> hopefully this to, landed on <laughs> you know you know you know what's funny let me let me just say something I feel like I feel like Arrested Development doesn't hit with ethnic people.
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. Fair enough. Uh, also, I just, by the way, I, I think. Let me just be clear from from the white perspective. I yes. think it's. Uh, I think it's. Um, I think it's an overrated show. Like I never thought it was that funny. But oh, okay. I, I. I thought. I thought this joke made sense in this moment. Okay, go. And it didn't. Well, it didn't <laughs> land. Anyways, point. I've <laughs> never watched this. <laughs> who are, someone who's listening has watched the show and knows the scene i'm talking about when uh, okay good. he yes. says he says there are like it's a, a, never mind whatever okay. But like there are dozens of us there's there's a small group of like football freaks who are big scott turner fans uh-huh. and there are dozens of us and i'm in the crowd <laughs> yeah washington offensive coordinator scott turner uh, it's like me robert mays and like uh one uh, a couple like five other people are big That's big so scott funny. turner heads um and like you did you just watch that week one Washington offense so fun they're they're calling like some cool stuff they're calling some stuff for curtis samuel like um where he comes in like chips the incoming rusher gets out in the flat route is wide open against zone coverage although i'll shout out trayvon walker the number one overall pick who everybody clowned on they did awesome awesome in that game um he sniffed out that one curtis samuel play that i tweeted out I, i gave him credit for that one but Dude, Samuel in the, in this sample, um, he he was great. He lined up in the backfield on, uh, lined up in the backfield of the slot on seventy nine percent of his sampled snaps. He had an eighty percent success rate versus zone coverage. Like, dude, Curtis Samuel can ball, man. He's really good, and like he's got this great role in this Washington offense. And I know Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, but. You just look – I'm telling you, go watch like a – if you hate yourself, go watch like a Week 12 (laughs) 2021 Washington football team game with like Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys at wide receiver. And now you're looking at like Wentz, McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, who's awesome, Curtis Samuel, who's really good. Like, And Wentz, for whatever you think about him, dude, he's at the trigger point of like a really, really good offense. And I'm just saying, Curtis Samuel, like I kind of think he's a guy you can – you can, he's going to be in flex consideration every week, and so is Jahan Dotson, too. I think these guys are really good. So Samuel is back. Jahan Dotson is like an every week wide receiver for Washington football is back. I won't call him the commanders because it's just too lame, but um, Washington football is back, baby.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let me, let, me just, I don't, let me just try to cool you off just for one second, here, okay? <laughs> please do
1: please do. Because, uh, please, I would love you to
0: I, I, at least try to add a contrarian voice to this because um, I love what Curtis Samuel did and I'm happy for him too, man after losing an entire season, um, which is just tough, you know what I mean. Um, so it's great to see him back. It's great to see him healthy. And, and again, when these guys, these guys who can do different things are utilized in that in that way. I love seeing that. Um, so definitely hat tip. Uh, to Turner uh, for trying to get him involved in all these different ways, which is cool. Okay, now that being said, Terry McLaurin had kind of an off game. He only had four four targets in this in this ball game. Eleven targets for Curtis Samuel, eight targets for Antonio Gibson. I kind of sort of feel like, um, at least from like a production standpoint, that couldn't this go to Any one of these three receivers, any given week, like Curtis, this could have been a great Curtis Samuel week. And then I would not be surprised if in week two, he doesn't really see... That much, you know, uh target share or area share or whatever it might be from a volume perspective, maybe next week is maybe week two is a Terry McLaurin game. Maybe week two yeah, is yeah. yet another, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson game. I don't know.
1: I'd also point out, too, that uh Lynchburg, Virginia's finest Logan Thomas is also out there and like he came back pretty early from a serious injury. So, like. By the way, just another really talented guy on this offense. I think that the fluky thing in there is Antonio Gibson's eight targets. Like, and yeah. again, credit, credit to young Turner, man. Like he got a great, like deep route out of Antonio Gibson, a great design play a few times getting him the ball in space. But like, I think that these guys like Samuel, I think that these guys like Dotson, you're right. It's not going to be every single week. Like right. Dotson had a great game too. He caught two touchdowns and Did. they were, they were awesome touchdowns too. Those guys are going to pop off like week to like week by week. But James, they're playing the Lions this week. Like you get, this is one of the weeks where you can give it a shot with these guys because they're playing the Lions.
0: Um, Tara McLaurin led the team in air yards with uh, over eighty. So um, you know, again, we're talking about air yards per target over twenty air yards per target too. So not a ton of like you know high percentage throws, but. Should be noted, like if he had caught one of those splash plays, it's a different narrative. I think, um, with what how people kind of feel about Curtis Samuel versus Terry McLaurin versus Jahan Dotson. You know what I'm saying? So, um, just from a talent perspective, Matt, it's it's a weird. I don't want to say weird, but it, it's a cool team because Antonio Gibson is a former wide receiver, so he's got you know a, a multi skill set. Terry McLaurin, obviously, as we know, we, you and I both love Terry McLaurin. But Curtis Sammy also a guy that can be utilized all over the the football yeah. field. Logan Thomas, a former quarterback, then turned tight end. So he's got multiple skills. It's interesting, right? Like, in terms of this Washington offense, like how diverse of a skill set they have on offense. And they, it sounds like they think Brian Robinson is going to be
1: back in like week five, and you know, yeah. which is great for him after getting literally shot. Uh, crazy. Like, that's crazy that he could be back so fast. But like, he brings a dimension as a grinder, you know, like, yeah. a, like he's like Thumper. Antonio Gibson's not that back, but Brian Robinson's no. that back. So uh, I definitely think that Gibson, by the way, in fantasy, could be a guy that you ride for like the next three weeks and then you just try to sell immediately as soon as brian robinson gets back like uh, you know that, that he could be that type of guy for like a zero rb team or something like that but yeah man this offense has got a lot of skills and i do think that Jahan dotson and curtis samuel can kind of interchange in that slot flanker role and there's just a lot of ways for for whence to make us all pay when he eventually screws it up but uh yeah
0: i'm excited about curtis <laughs> wow. samuel.
1: I, I'll, I'll give no a, faith uh, no, no faith in Wentz. Nah. No, no. I think he's okay. good enough to get these guys fantasy numbers, but I don't think he's good enough to like really get these guys where they need to go. I'll give you a couple more deep sleepers before we get out of All here too. Right. KJ Hamler. I'll mention him. He, he got pretty decent burn as the, uh, as the, the clear cut speed slot receiver for the Denver Broncos. If, if there's one thing I said about Cortland Sutton, right? Like not getting a lot of separation deep down the field, especially, you know, Jerry Judy also not getting a ton of separation, down the field i think he's still more of like a um I, I think he's still still more like in the short to intermediate areas you know and yep. but kj hamler like he can burn and he looked pretty good out there ran around on 64 percent of russell wilson's dropbacks you know running against the houston Texans defense i'd take a shot on kj hamler if you're desperate it's not bad. uh and this one's kind of like a, you got to hold your nose and try not to puke. But Christian Watson, uh, I don't hate Christian Watson as like a super. I mean, you really have to be like, but if you have to play Christian Watson, you're either in a super deep league or your team is absolutely <laughs> screwed. <laughs> but I, I think okay. it was encouraging that Christian Watson ran so many routes. Like, even though Aaron Rodgers, I mean, looked right at the sideline, like, I. I told you he I told you this is what was going to happen. Right. As soon as Christian Watson dropped that deep touchdown on the first play from first pass of the season, (laughs) it it was encouraging that they that he still got out there. And like, (sighs) I think that when Alan Lazard probably gets back this week, like they need to marginalize like the dusty veterans like Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb, not like Christian Watson, who for all of his flaws can at least burn, you know, can yeah. can make plays in the open field. I compared to like a poor man's Martavis Bryant. I would like to see him in that role going forward. So it, Aaron Rodgers probably going to drop a hammer on the Bears just when everybody's like starting to doubt the Packers. Christian Watson might get it on that on that hammer dropping fest.
0: Well, yeah, because the Bears defense stinks. I mean, let's
1: be real. Yeah, not great. Yeah, they're not playing in a monsoon this week. <laughs>
0: I know, against against essentially a rookie quarterback, right? Like, no, (laughs) they're playing a team in in, in the Packers against a quarterback that absolutely owns, absolutely owns Chicago. So no, you're right, Aaron Rodgers, probably going to get back on track um big time another team that i think could potentially get back on track uh the la rams you know playing at home uh taking on atlanta atlanta's given up tons of production everywhere their defense is uh a work in progress yeah that's what they, they've got say. yeah i know they've got some good pieces um uh, but overall you know i, I think they're just going to get absolutely smoked and and i think our guy alan robinson get, gets back on track no I think, I think so. I think I'll probably view
1: him as like a boom bust wide receiver, low end two, high end three uh, this week. You just want to kind of see it first, obviously, but I do think he gets back on track. You know, his, his RP review from week one is already live on the site. Um, I'm hoping all these other ones are live up there, but yeah, I, I, I Robbins is up there. Folks can already check that out. Uh, yeah, man.
0: One last uh, bounce-back player that I want to talk about was uh, Devontae Smith. I, I know we,
1: we've uh, done a lot of hand
0: ringing uh, yeah. on Devontae Smith, but you know, there's been. So you said much... you say you say we you you okay, have me, done me, me. All, yeah yeah because I, I had drafted him in like. <laughs> That's your fault. I know that's because <laughs> I like my... Devontae Smith, but that's, but that's your fault. <laughs> that's because in my league of record, uh, a, a very large, uh, money league, uh, <laughs> I drafted Devonte Smith, uh, thinking again, that, uh, you can't just throw it to one guy. And apparently you can't just throw it to one guy, <clears throat> but I... <laughs> well, when that one guy's AJ Brown, you can throw it to yes. this one guy. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk. Um, with the coaching staff, Sirianni, uh, with uh, the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, about getting Devontae Smith more involved, that they can't possibly ignore Devontae Smith like this. I wonder yeah, if there's a little bit more, um, you know, balance to the offense against Minnesota, who, again, I've highlighted. I don't think they have very good secondary play. Uh, and I do think they're going to get exposed um, against A.J. Brown and Devonte Smith. This week, so I think a little bit of bounce back there.
1: That's a good call. I mean, uh, for that Christian Watson thing I just talked about, the reason that Rogers was so pissed was because a- Christian Watson absolutely toasted old man yeah. Patrick Peterson, right. and um, that that should be the guy that probably covers Devontae Smith the most on the on that right side of the field. So keep an eye on that.
0: All right, so there you go. Um, another good show in the books. If you guys would do us a big, huge favor, man, like and subscribe. Um, dude just rate the podcast man like that would do us a huge solid and obviously if you guys follow Matt uh, you love his work man support him as much as you can uh, go to his YouTube page as well got a ton of clips and stuff up there um, it's a good view man like if you just want to burn a couple of hours just you know watching all these clips go for it but uh, Matt's yeah. YouTube page is And if you're uh, not subscribed to the eye.
1: site what what the hell are you doing you know subscribe <laughs> to the reception reception site I'm talking about all this in season charting I'm doing I know let's go man I, I think I, I think i'm gonna have something up on drake london by the weekend i'm really encouraged so we've got
0: go. in season charting we've got alex Gelhar back in the fold riding just heaters for the website right now man the site is absolutely on fire it's great man um and we promised the folks out there that season number two of reception perception as a standalone site would go to the next level we're going to the next level right here right now All right, so there you go. For Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We will see you next week. Everyone have a great week, too. See ya. Peace.